Psalms chapter 15. We're going to continue doing some word studies and uh, these word studies, kind of my, my motivation for them is, uh, one, it gives you kind of a chance to kind of hit on topics that we need, but then also, two, uh, I, we, I want to use some of these to help us understand or learn some principles in interpreting the scripture, how we understand things in the Bible. But then, two, uh, another, another reason I want to do it, too, is that I think it's important that we are familiar, familiar with the words of our King James Bible. We've got, a bunch of people out there today who are promoting the idea of revising the Bible simply because of archaic words and dead words. Well, you know what? These words shouldn't be dead in a King James Baptist church. They should be dead in any church. If a church is preaching the whole counsel of God, then people should be familiar with the language. And really, in reality, what people are demanding today, who are demanding an updated version of the Bible is they are demanding that we put a Bible in print that a person can just fully understand the first time they read it. In other words, one that they don't have to study, you know, one that they don't have to put any work into. And that's just not going to happen. That literally is just not possible. You have to study the Scriptures. You And the reality is, you know, what what is it they always teach? One of the best ways to learn a foreign language is just to immerse yourself in the language, in the culture. And, there, uh, and um, if there's a book that I've read, um, it's called Revised, I believe, by Mark Ward. And uh, he's somebody who speaks out against King James-onlyism quite a bit. And he's got a whole section in there on false friends in the King James Bible. And he takes words that we think we know the meaning to them, but they're used differently in the Scriptures. But the funny thing is, if you go through that book, when I read through it, I'm like, I knew the definition of every one of these words because the reality is if you have never read your Bible and you read that verse one time, you might get the wrong idea. But if you're familiar with the scriptures and if you're familiar with how it is used, you know the definition. It's the, the, the way the word is used is obvious from the context. So the truth is the reason people struggle with these words is just because they don't read their Bibles. How many of you in your families, your children, you know, or you in your family, you have your own language, a lot of times that you picked up from your kids, because kids say things wrong. And has any other parents ever done that, where you like say things wrong in your family too, just because that's what your kids say? You know, you, you, maybe you say a word weird too, how the kids say it. I still call yogurt, ogurt, a lot of times, just because... There was a, a, a little girl that, uh, she was a, she was a flower girl in our wedding, and I remember we had watched her one time when she was little, and she was calling yogurt ogurt. And I thought it was cute. And so, I still call it ogurt today. You know, and, um, you know, what, is, what does ogurt even mean? Well, if you were in our house and you saw me saying, I want some ogurt, and then eating a thing of yogurt, you would figure it out. And the reality is, people just aren't familiar with the language of the King James Bible because they're not familiar with the Bible. They're not reading it. And so, anyway, just kind of a, a, a rant that doesn't really have anything to do with the particular message, but just kind of why I'm wanting to do some of these things. But I want to look at two words today, two unique words, and I want to point out some things about these words that I find very interesting. This kind of goes along with the concept I was teaching, I think it was Sunday night. My messages all kind of seem, feel like they run together in my brain sometimes, but uh, let's start reading in Psalms 15, verse 1. It says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? 
He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not, he that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Now, I want to point out that word in there, backbite or backbiteth, that we see there. Because this is important too. And this is good for people, just the ultra-literal nut jobs who just teach the weirdest things on the planet and they try to use the Bible to do it. And often in the Scriptures, you will, or when pe- preachers are preaching and doing Bible studies, you will see them put an extreme focus on a word. And it's not always inappropriate to do that. So, you know, here's a common routine that is not wrong. Okay, John 3.16. What does it say? Whosoever believeth, not whosoever repenteth of all their sins, not whosoever you know gets baptized, not whosoever does good work. What does it say? Believeth, believeth. What don't you understand about that word? Believeth, right? And it's not wrong to do that because everything we're saying about that also fits the context of the rest of the Bible. So it's not inappropriate when we do it, and in most case, many cases, it's not inappropriate to do that. But at the same time, too. You know, everybody agrees that backbiting is a sin. And I'm pretty sure everybody here knows what backbiting is. But at the same time, if we want to get ultra-literal, and the Bible is not always being ultra-literal, even with words, because how do... Has anybody ever bit somebody in the back? Okay? Maybe when you were a little kid fighting with your brother or sister or something, you had them... But, okay, obviously, this is not... how How do you bite somebody in the back... With your tongue. That's what it's talking about. You're not allowed to bite people on their back with your tongue. And if you believe your King James Bible, you know that's what you know that you're, that's what this says. No, obviously that term backbiting, we all know what it is. It's talking negatively about somebody behind their back. It's talking in a way that is damaging to them. That that's what backbiting is. We all understand. In fact, we can understand that just from that term backbiting. Why does it say it that way? Why is it, why is that word used that way? Cause remember, I, I think it was Sunday night. People who are like, no, you have to give me a verse that says I can't say this particular word. Okay. Because, you know, corrupt communication, perverse, words like perverse and things, that doesn't count. All right. That's not clear enough for you. But again, backbiting for sure is a sin of a tongue of the tongue something that we shouldn't be doing to somebody and obviously just from the word we understand this is it means you know again talking negatively about someone behind their back okay so does that mean i can do it as long as they're facing me but they're where they can't hear me did you know you can backbite some you can still backbite somebody even if you were technically in front of them you know, you see, you see how it's dumb to go ultra literal with that. No, as long as I know they're facing my direction and I am not literally behind them, I can't be backbiting them. But no, you can, you know, if Brother Jason's in the back of the auditorium and everybody's in here converse, having a conversation, there's a lot of noise, and I'm standing up here where he can't hear me, and I'm talking with Brother Chris and I'm saying negative things about Brother Jason, even though he's in te- technically I'm in front of him, I'm still backbiting him, aren't I? Because it's just a matter of I'm doing it where 
he can't see it, where he is not aware of what's going on. This is really common sense stuff. But what people like to do a lot of times is they, they get ultra literal with things in the Bible as a way to just deflect. And, and understand too, one of the reasons we have so many laws, you know, the amount of laws in our nation, the amount of laws in our tax code, you know what? It's because, you know, we always have to be very specific on everything. The reason when you get a loan, okay, we all under, if, if you get a loan for $10,000, we all understand you're supposed to pay back $10,000, you know, plus whatever the interest rate is that you signed up for. But there's always a million forms that you have to sign. Why? Because people are always trying to get out of things and trying to claim they're not violating a contract. And, and we're all forced to follow the letter of the law and everything instead of just the spirit of the law. You know, you borrow somebody's money, they expect to get it back. should just be common sense. But understand, evil people, you know, they do. They need everything spelled out for every scenario, every possible situation. But that is just not the way the scriptures work. Sometimes it expects us to exercise some common sense. And so on these two words that we're going to look at, backbiters and tail bearers, is another one. I, do, I find these words interesting because, again, on both of them, if we're getting ultra-literal, they don't even make sense. You know, you don't bite somebody literally in the back with your tongue. But at the same time, those words do send a crystal clear message, a tail-bearer. Okay, what does it mean to bear something? Okay, it means to carry it around, right? What, you know, a tail, that's a story. Right? Not like an animal tail, T-A-I-L, but T-A-L-E. It's, it's just obvious from the word what it's talking about. And it's just kind of a, a cool thing about our language. But let's look at a few verses too about backbiting. Okay? Because even though we understand you bite with your teeth, literally, but we backbite with our tongue. We understand that this is some, we understand this, this is a good word because the tongue, while it is a small member of our body, while it is a member that cannot physically hurt anybody, it is a member of our body that can actually do great damage to people. It can hurt worse than a literal bite with the teeth. That The tongue is able to do that. And in James 3, it says in verse 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Is our tongue literally full of poison? Alright, no, obviously this is speaking figuratively here, isn't it? And you know what? Nobody reads this passage in James and says, hmm, I wonder if this is literal. And no one, you know what nobody else does either when they look at this? Nobody looks at this and thinks, wow, the Bible's being kind of extreme here. No, we get this. We totally get it because we know what it's like to have somebody use their tongue in a poisonous way against us. It hurts. It will make you sick to your stomach. Just, I mean, have you ever had somebody tell you something or even just hear somebody said something and your stomach hurts? Why? You know, like you ate something that you shouldn't have ate? It, why? It's because the tongue, it, the tongue has that power. It's an unruly evil. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the multitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not so to be. So it is. It's interesting the words that the Bible uses to describe the sins of the tongue. On, and so on one hand, a contentious person can claim, I'm just saying words. 
You show me a verse in the Bible that says, I can't say this combination of words about this person. Okay, obviously, we aren't going to find a scripture that says you can't say, you know, you can't go around telling everybody that Brother Aaron drinks gutter water. Okay, I, you know, I shouldn't have to show you a Bible verse. Okay, now we can talk about bearing false witness. So, but no, I actually saw him drinking water out of a gutter. Okay, but at the same time, you know, we shouldn't be going around just saying things that'll make people think negatively of him. Is he hurting anybody else from drinking gutter water? No. So you don't need to talk about it. You don't need to bear that tale. You're doing it to cause people to have negative feelings about him. That is, in fact, the sin of backbiting. That absolutely is backbiting and you shouldn't do it. But you know what you do? You have people, uh, nope, uh, you got to show me a verse in the Bible that says I can't say these words about this individual. And, and then even if the Bible said thou shalt not say, you know, Aaron's not allowed to drink gutter water. Well, then you think, well, I can say it about Kristen because it only says Aaron in the Bible. No, sometimes we go off principle. You can get nailed for not going along with the principle of the scripture. Okay? And so this is, this is to help these ultra literalists out there that use these things to just dodge, you know, every sin that people try to hold them accountable, accountable for. But imagine too, because, you know, again, when it comes to the tongue, when it comes to communication, communication is a very powerful thing and it is a major part of the human experience. It's one thing that is unique about us in the animal kingdom. Okay, Obviously, even in the animal kingdom, they have methods of communication, but it's not like it is with humans. It doesn't go as deep. You know, it, it's, there's something special. And imagine a world, just think about this for a minute, imagine a world where everyone quit communicating in every way. Think about that. You know, ima- or even just imagine a world where people could not speak. Mankind needs communication and interaction with other people, and we shouldn't take that wonderful gift of language and speech and use it for evil. It's wrong. It's just words. You shouldn't use your speech for evil. You shouldn't hurt people with it. This is a wonderful gift. There are many wonderful gifts that God has given mankind, but sinful man often takes those things and they misuse them. I'm thankful I have a fist, but that doesn't mean I should be allowed to punch you. Well, God gave me the fist. Nobody doesn't want you to use it for that. Unless it's for protection. You know, unless it's to defend yourself. So, um, I remember my wife and I, a few years ago, we were in Philadelphia and we went and visited one of these old prisons. I forgot how far back this prison went. But one of the practices that they used to do in that prison was they would isolate, they would completely isolate people. They would completely just cut them off from any type of human, human interaction. They only had like a certain time of day where they were able to go outside these tiny crummy little cells and they would be by themselves. And that was like, that was like an extra punishment they would do for certain people. And it would literally drive some of these people crazy. And it was one of those things where later, you know, man came along and they're like, this is cruel and unusual punishment. We can't do this kind of thing to people. And it did. It messed people up just not being able to communicate. Man needs communication. Okay. And I, now I know the rest of you aren't that carnal, but again, you know, you get trapped on a deserted island. You might make friends with the volleyball and, you know, get devastated if it gets, you know, lost at sea. Okay. And you're all acting like you know what I'm talking about because you all are carnal too. But again, that humans need communication. It is. It's a very, very important thing and we ought to use it for good. We shouldn't be using it for evil. Uh, let's look at a few more um, 
verses about backbiting. Uh, Proverbs 25, 23. The north wind driveth away rain, so doth an angry countenance a backbiting tongue. Okay? You, should, you, you can get people to stop backbiting if you'll just give them that dirty look. You want to know why people want to bring tales to you? Because there's like a, there's like a high people get, I think, from giving the news. But they all, they all, a part of that high, though, is the joy that they see it brings to others, you know, and not even necessarily the joy. Okay. It also brings them joy when you're devastated too. Oh man, I, I never wanted to hear this about that person. This is devastating. I can't believe this. But again, you know, they, everybody wants to be the one to give news, but at the same time, nobody wants to become unpopular as a result of it. Often the backbiting is a way to help move ourselves up socially. And if us bringing negative you know, things about other people to you causes us to move down your list, people aren't going to do it. And so whenever somebody comes along trying to bring negative tales about somebody, you ought to get... I, I, would, I think it's okay to go farther than give them a dirty look. But I think maybe too, uh, I would throw some words back at them. Some pretty negative ones. You know? Maybe just say, you know what, leave my house. You've got 30 seconds before I literally throw you out of my house. You know, backbiting is, it's a very serious sin. It's mentioned in Romans 1, verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. So it's a very serious sin and it's something too that those who are filled with all unrighteousness, that's one of the things they're going to they're gonna give themselves to. Going and just talking nasty about people. And so, that word backbiting, it doesn't make sense. The definition of backbite, it means to walk along, but only in specific applications, to reconnoiter, to be a talebearer, that is slander, also to lead about, backbite, search, slander, Spy out, teach, to go view. So that term, you know, reconnoiter, it means to view or to survey. So that backbiter, it's not even just somebody too who is saying something negative about somebody, but they're like looking for it. That's the person that goes around looking for information so they could go cream somebody. They're spying on people in the church. They're going and checking everything on their social media so they can go tell everybody about it. Okay? And that's not good. That's what a backbiter is. And so typically that backbiter is that person speaking negatively or using harmful words behind their back, but they're also damaging them with their words to other people. And the people being damaged a lot of times too cannot see what's coming. And it is this very sneaky and cowardly. There have been times in my life where I have found out that people have had extremely negative opinions of me. I have talked to some preachers before that had extremely negative opinions of me. And I was like, I didn't even know they knew who I was. Now, again, some of it, sometimes it's because of online stuff. People see online and they get a very bad impression of you because of that. But sometimes it's because they hear things too. And, you know, it's, uh, but there, you know, there was a situation one time where I, where I talked to a preacher, I, did, I knew, I had no idea he had a negative opinion of me. A very, very negative opinion of me. But at the same time, too, one of the reasons I didn't think he would have a negative opinion about me, we'd never really been around each other. So in my mind, 
he couldn't have really formed an opinion. But he had heard some things and so had a very negative opinion. And, you know, after he talked to me, he apologized for his negative opinion. Now, it, it, I was glad he apologized, but it kind of made me feel bad too because, like, I didn't even know you had a negative opinion about me. And it didn't really make me feel good to know that he had heard all these terrible things about me because then I'm wondering who's going around telling you all these terrible things about me. So, it was one, you know, you got to watch out, okay? If you have, if, if you have never publicly spoken against somebody, and, but you've had very negative thoughts, don't go apologize to them for all your negative thoughts that you had. You'll just make them feel bad. Okay? Now, if you've been publicly creaming them, you should go to them and apologize. That way, when they hear about all these things, they'll know where it came from. Uh, and then, you know, you can be, you know, offer to do anything you can to fix the situation. But, uh, yeah, I, I've had people before come apologize for all the terrible things they thought about me. It's like, I didn't need to know that. I, I wish you'd have just kept that between you and God. Because you didn't make me feel better right now. So anyway, watch out for that kind of thing. That's another subject for another day. But we should, another word we can use, uh, look at, is we should contemn a backbiter. We should contemn a backbiter. We saw in Psalms 15 verse 4, it says, In whose eyes a vile person is contemned. And what does that word contemn mean? Because we don't use that word much these days. But it means to disesteem, to despise disdain, contempt. We should to, to think to scorn. And so we should, we should have very negative opinions about vile people, according to Psalms 15. And we should have very negative opinions about backbiters too. That's, we, there's some people we should contemn. In fact, in the Webster's 1828, if you look up the word contempt, it puts in there Psalms 15.4, in whose eyes a vile person is contempt. Uh, and it uses a couple other places in the Bible. We're not going to look at that. But again, backbiters... They, they, they typically think they're scoring socially when they backbite other people. But if, they, if we are a righteous people, if they are in the company of righteous people, they will figure out quickly that, hey, backbiting is causing me to move down the rank socially. And you know what? They're not going to go backbiting. It will stop. Okay, backbiters are bad. Okay, tail bearers are bad. But those who listen to them are also bad. Those who allow, oh, well, it made me feel really bad. Well, you know what? Shame on you for being a coward. And not doing the right thing and calling them out on these things. And so the word tailbearer, let's look at a few verses about tailbearers. Okay? And again, that word, the word says it all right there. Okay? It's like, it says, and, and think about it, bearing a tail. Alright? Well, so, Pastor Thomas, does that mean we're just not allowed, according to the Bible, we're not allowed to tell any tales? We're not allowed to tell any stories. So therefore, you know, don't tell your kids bedtime stories. You're bearing a tail. Don't tell them stories about when you're kids. You, when you were a kid, you're bearing a tail. Obviously, from the use of the word, the problem with bearing, it, it's, it, it's just obvious that these are negative tales about other people. Tales that are doing harm. But again, that person who just doesn't want to get, you know, accept responsibility for anything, they want to get ultra literal. And it's like, fine, you know, that means we just can't tell any stories. Pastor Tommy, don't you ever tell any life application stories? Don't tell anything about from your childhood, your path. You're bearing a tale. No, it's it's very clear what this is all about. Leviticus 19:16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. And if you look up the Hebrew definition for that word talebearer, 
I like how this is used. It, the definition is a scandal monger. A scandal monger. Okay? Usually when we talk about like a warmonger or something like that, that's somebody who's just obsessed with war. And so you don't want to be that person that you do. You just love getting all the juice on everybody or spilling the tea or uh, whatever, the, whatever the modern lingo is for all that kind of thing. A scandal monger is traveling about to slander, carry tales, a tale bearer. So these words are very closely related. And so, um, and think about this too, when it comes to being a tale bearer. Okay, some people too who, you know, have a weird definition that's contrary to the Bible, contrary to the dictionary too, of railing. Okay, they often think of railing as just any false statement. Okay, that's just not true. That's not how, that's not how the word is used at all. But here's the thing about tale bearing. Tale bearing, when you're bearing a tale, when you're gossiping, it does it it doesn't have to be false for it to be a sin. It it, it has, you know the reality is the story that you're telling can be true. Your facts can be right on the money. They can be a hundred percent right, but it's still wrong to be doing this kind of thing. Because the reality is the tale, it is, it's the story that in reality it probably happened, but it doesn't need to be repeated or broadcast to the whole world. That's the whole point. It, we, and we have, we have all had times in our life, we've all had bad moments where these stories are true, but it accomplishes no good for them to be repeated. Okay? Husbands, wives, I guarantee you anybody in here who has been married for more than a month has probably had some negative moments in your marriage. And you know what? While you could go around and tell everybody about what your husband did or what your wife did, and it would be true, it would be wrong for you to go around bearing that tale. You know why? Because it's not anybody else's business. What are you going to accomplish by spreading that and broadcasting it to everybody? You know, I've seen, I've seen husbands and wives take the social media and start, it's like, man, once that happens, it's like, it's done. It's done. Don't, don't be bringing other people into it. Don't, you know, there are some things I, I, I do. There's a time where people might need to reach out and talk to friends or family, but you need to understand the more people that you bring into certain situations, the more difficult it's going to be to fix the situation. And you've got, you got to watch out for that. You bring mom and dad into the situation. Listen, I'm, you know, again, there might be a situation where a woman's in danger or something like that, and for sure reach out. But if this is just, you know, you and your husband having a bad day, don't be bringing people into that because you might get over it. You know, if my daughter gets married and her husband, you know, gets mouthy with her or does something that, you know, he shouldn't do, she, t- she might get over it. She tells me about it. I'm probably not getting over it. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, and you know, and I might not even be in a situation where I can help. And we've got to watch out. And so it, the, the amount of damage we can do by just sharing tales that are true it can be just irreversible, bring so much harm. And we've got to watch out for that kind of thing. And so um, Proverbs eleven thirteen, a tale bearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Okay? Now, so Pastor Simon, I thought we we're against covering up sin in this church. We are against covering up crimes. We are against covering up things that could, again, put other people in danger. If we've got a pervert in the church, we could be, you know, we, we would be putting people in danger. There are, there are some things that you can't cover up. 
Okay, if me as a pastor, as a leader in this church, if I'm doing things that are unethical and things that are illegal in this church, obviously you should not cover those things up. You should expose those things. But there are some things that you know we should cover up. There are some things that we should conceal. You know, if I go out, if, you know, if we're leaving church today and or I'm out in public and I hear a couple in the church just having an argument. And I hear them arguing with each other and I, you know, the wife's getting mouthy with her husband and, you know, and he, t- he tells her stop being a Jezebel and, you know, go make me a sandwich and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, hey, they were having a bad moment and I heard it and it happened and it's true. But you know what? I ought to keep it to myself. I ought to keep it to myself. And again, now, and, and, you know, and that's what I should do if I accidentally heard it. Now, if I went and I heard it and then I'm just like listening even more, that's bad. You know, we shouldn't want to do that. I preached a sermon a long time ago about looking away from the shame of others. It was wrong when Ham found his father in a very compromised situation and he didn't just immediately turn around. He didn't immediately look away. It was wrong for him to look on his father's nakedness. It shamed him in doing that. And we shouldn't be doing that to other people. That, that's, that's wrong. And when you do, and then when you go and you spread that kind of stuff, that is a terrible sin. You ought to conceal it. Yet you better believe there are things that we should cover up. That there are things that we ought to keep to ourselves, because it's just, it's not right. There's, there's, you know, there's situations too. There's things I won't even tell my wife about it because what she doesn't need to know. She doesn't need to know. Sometimes there's things that you might find out that they can be a burden. And no, if somebody who is in absolutely no position to help, they don't need to know about these things. So you know what you ought to do? You ought to keep it to yourself. You ought to be quiet about it. And that's what a person of a faithful spirit do. They will conceal the matter. Proverbs 18.8, The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. I don't like people lying about me, but you know what? I could also be wounded by truths people are telling about me. If somebody gets a hold of information... That, you know, again, it's private. I, I had a bad moment. You know, you know, kids, I mean, you know, any, any kid could tell a negative story about their parent. Any, any kid can do that that grew up in the house. You know, parents, they have bad moments. Kids should conceal those matters. They should not go around telling everybody about it. They shouldn't go telling people in the church about it. That kind of thing is wrong. All you're doing is making people think negatively about somebody that people need to love. People in our church need to love each other. And the last thing we need are husbands and wives telling stories about their spouse with people in the church and kids telling stories about their parents with people in the church. That kind of thing is just not necessary. Again, it it is a cover-up. But there are are good cover-ups and there's bad cover-ups. Because at the end of the day, too, we say, well, what are we supposed to expose? Well, again, there are things that are not within our realm of authority. And so when it comes to things in the church, as a pastor, as somebody in leadership, I am supposed to be, I am accountable to the congregation. And so there uh, there are things that are within your realm of authority to deal with. When it comes to things within a family, when it comes to problems maybe between a husband and wife, we have no authority. And, And we have no right to even insert ourselves in that situation unless we are asked and so the reality is for us to just go speaking of these things, to looking into these things, to trying to get to the bottom of the truth of all these things, it's just not our place. And we ought to stay out of it. 
because it, you know it's it, it's we're only going to cause more hurt for people if we get involved in this. Proverbs twenty nineteen: He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. It, these people they're saying some good things, but they're flattering you with you because they're trying to get to you. They're trying to get information because they want to tell stories about you and they're revealing secrets. Something it is. There are some secrets that's okay. There are some things that I don't need to know about. If you and your wife had a knockdown drag out on the way to church, I don't need to know about it. I don't need I don't need to hear about that. I've heard people before like, oh yeah, we were going to go to church, but we had you know we had a knockdown drag out on the way to church and we didn't want to act like hypocrites when we came in there. Okay, well listen, if you and your wife have a fight on the way to church, you don't need to act like you just had a fight when you come walking in. Okay? You all just being civil and acting like everything's fine, that's just called being polite. Because it's really awkward. Okay? It, it would be really awkward for you to walk in the church and just be like, you know, not looking at each other and grunting at each other and just, you know. That's going to be really awkward for everybody. We don't need to get involved in that. It's not our problem. It's not our place to fix it. And so you all coming in here and acting like everything's fine, that's not you being a hypocrite, that's you being polite. Okay? Now, if you come in here, you know, just all acting all sweet and lovey-dovey, just trying to put on a show, okay, that's repulsive, and we don't need to see that either. Okay? Just act normal. Just act normal. You don't, you don't skip church because you had a fight. I don't, think that, I, don't, I don't recommend that either. But again, it's not being fake, it's being polite. Proverbs 26.20 where no wood is, the, there the fire go without. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. So again, more people get involved. Husband and wife, they often get over their issues. But then, if the wife was telling everybody about it, and then all of a sudden, one of the guys in the church, yeah, my wife told me about you know what happened with you and your wife. Now all of a sudden, you're mad about it again. You had gotten over it, but now you're embarrassed. Now your pride's been hurt or whatever. And so, you know, that, that bearing of tails, it made it worse. You got, you got to watch out for that kind of thing. Proverbs 26, 22, the words of a tail bearer as wounds, they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. I think I already looked at that one. Um, but, or actually, no, I didn't look at that one. That's just in, that's in Proverbs twice. One's Proverbs 18, 8. The other one's in Proverbs 26, 22. But to conclude this, the sins of the tongue are for real. And they are obvious when they happen. We all know it when we see it. But sadly, guilty parties are often very good at trying to dodge the charges against them because the reality is, it is a figurative word. Do you all understand that? Tailbearer, backbiter, that is a figurative word. No one is literally carrying a tail. Okay? Unless it's written on paper and you're going around sharing it with people. Hey, I, I printed out the Liberty Baptist Gossip Newsletter, you know, and uh, all, I've, I've been visiting everybody's house. I've been going house to house this week, and I got everybody's story. Okay, that would only last for one week, because after that, nobody's going to let you come to their house anymore. But after you tell all their stories to everybody, okay? Yeah, that's one way you could literally bear a tail, but you, we do it with our mouth. We don't, back, we don't backbite with our teeth. We backbite with our tongue. These are figurative words and it is their message, the message of these words, the message of these verses 
are, op- are very obvious, but guilty people love to get super literal and technical when you try to nail them. And you know why they're like that? Because you'll never tame their tongue. It's the same thing. People who tell dirty jokes, people who use profanity, people who curse and swear and all these different things, they will never let you nail them down. They always go ultra-literal on that. That's, that's their way of avoiding it. But the reality is, these are just people proving the Scriptures that the tongue can no man tame. Okay? Now, I don't believe that means that you can't get your, pers- your tongue under control, but I can't get someone else's tongue under control. If somebody wants to have a filthy mouth, they're going to have a filthy mouth. I can't stop that. If somebody wants to be a gossip, they're going to be a gossip. I can't stop that. I can't tame someone else's tongue. But I do believe that if we walk in the Spirit, we can definitely get control of ours. But in the meantime, I think it's just important when it comes to the backbiter, the tailbearer, if society, if churches, if families had a good old-fashioned contempt, or in con- and if we contend these people, nobody wants to be that person. Nobody, nobody wants to be that person. Just like everybody still hates pedophiles, we ought to all hate the gossips and the, pet, you know, the, pedophi- or the backbiters and things like that too. Make them, they need to be the most unpopular people in the world. But unfortunately, they're often very popular people because mankind's sinful and they like hearing stuff they shouldn't. So, but anyway, with that, we'll close the word of prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that uh, this message was helped to everybody. I pray we'll all take these things to heart. It is very easy to get caught up in backbiting and tailbearing. It's a very uh, common work of the flesh, but I pray you'll help us to have a hatred for it and a contempt for that, that type of thing, and we'll avoid it, that we'll be the kind of people who, uh, who will keep secrets, Lord, that we'll cover up, we'll conceal things that should be concealed, and we'll be a help in situations and not a hindrance. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.